When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Man, what a glorious weekend it was. Beautiful weather here in Starkville. I don't think the high was ever over maybe 71, 72 degrees. We were had some cool nights, which made for some cool mornings, a good weekend to get out and do some yard work, which is exactly what I did. I think I've done about two years' worth of work in two days. Glad to get all that done. Looking forward to, to uh, resting and spending some time with you guys this week. A lot going on, and we get we inch a little closer to the reality of fall sports. There are a lot of people that are careful what they say on the record, as well they should be, because nobody wants to be brought into uh, social media ridicule, do they? What happens anyway? But uh, be that as it may, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are kind of have some guarded optimism about fall sports. It's probably important to uh, to note that earlier today, Major League Baseball honors agreed to an abbreviated season that would begin somewhere around July 4th without fans. At this point, I'll take it. Like all of you, we're ready to get back into doing some things. And, you know, we've got hair salons that are open. And listen, I've seen some of you people on social media. You absolutely need it. Some of the worst mistakes I've made in life were haircuts, so I stopped getting them so I don't have that same sense of urgency that many of you do to rush out to the barber. All of that said, we're inching closer and closer to a new reality. A lot of things that are going to be available to us with some restrictions. I submit that uh, fall football is going to be one of them. Absolutely going to be one of them. Again, I'm not a, an expert in uh, disease and all that sort of stuff, but I, I believe that I've got some uh, some pretty good sources on the topic that are very optimistic privately about college football. And again, many of those same people a little more guarded on the record. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show and great purveyors of quality dining in the Golden Triangle for many, many years. Bulldog Burger Company now running a special. You get the four Bulldog Burgers and a gallon of sweet tea for $29.95. Along with those burgers are their glorious fries. It's a great night to give, uh, you know, to give Mom a night off. So let's order that and get it done. It won't be long. We'll be back dining probably with some distance between us and the other patrons for a while. We're beginning to see some Starbucks restaurants kind of reach that. Bulldog Burger Company did not close throughout the the uh, you know the shutdown, continue to do curbside service, try to provide uh, some normalcy to those of you that desire that great restaurant-quality hamburger. Now two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Starkville, Mississippi, and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So 
We talked offense, so I wanted to get into defense. We're going to have a musical top ten today. So those of you that don't like guitars and cool things and drums and fun and love and all that good stuff, this top ten list might not be for you. I'm a rock and roll guy. We're going to talk a little rock and roll today. Had somebody reach out and said, hey, Steve. I know this particular band is one of your favorites. Why not give us your top ten? And it's difficult. Probably went through 30 songs to get a top ten, and tomorrow I feel differently about it, so we'll get to that a little bit later. But for now, I want to talk defense. I'm going to have a chance to speak with Mississippi State Defensive Coordinator Zach Arnett later this week. We'll have that available for you over on jeanspage.com. If you're a Mississippi State fan, you should be a member. If not, uh, you, you go try us out. So a lot of what I'm about to say today might feel a little different later in the week after I've spoken to Zach, but I'm going to go ahead and take a stab at it anyway. One of the things we talked about with offense is you had some pieces and you kind of know where everybody kind of stacks up. And I want to reiterate, too, I've talked to two more sources very close to Mississippi State. Let me just tell you, two Mississippi State sources, two people who would know that said the first time they heard anything about Stuart Reese potentially transferring is when I reached out to them and asked them about it. If this is, uh, if, th if there is a truth to this rumor, it is among the best secrets in the history of the world. There's a lot of people out there talking. And that's what happens. You know, when there's a vacuum out there and there's no information, people fill that vacuum with, with noise. And it's one of those things, too. I, to be honest with you, I think this rumor even started probably a year ago on the message boards when people began to speculate, well, you know, you know, well, Stu Reese is going to graduate. Maybe he'll go be, you know, a transfer in Florida. You know, I, I've seen the enemy and it's us. You know, students say it. Just somebody on a message board said, you know, this might be a possibility. Then we kind of talk ourselves into a panic and a bit of a frenzy. And then even when reality is rolled out there, people are like, oh, Steve, well, I don't know. Let me just tell you, if Stu Reese leaves, it's going to be a huge shock to Mississippi State folks. They haven't heard any of this. All right, so uh, so let's get into uh, defensive ends. It's going to be interesting. You know, you bring in Trey Lawson. You bring in Jordan Davis, who is not going to be the traditional defensive end. He's actually going to work with the Sams. And you've got Kobe Jones, who is a senior, and you got Marquis Spencer, a guy that got that red shirt. You're back uh, due to an injury. So you have some interesting pieces on the edge. You have some superior athletes out there on, as edge defenders. You know, guys that will be out there to set the edge, rush the passer. Uh, I think it's going to be a good defensive end year for Mississippi State. I, there's, you know, we've taken some lumps in recent years along the defensive line, but this is a good group, and I think we addressed some of our concerns in the recruiting class with some junior college players, we're hurt by the fact we didn't get spring practice because those guys were here. So we didn't get the benefit of that. But at the very least, they've been able to kind of work with the coaches, you know, through the, the Zoom interviews and that sort of stuff and be able to have the film review to have at least a working knowledge. And football is football. It's, it's mainly about assignments, learning assignments, but then you've got to get on the field and kind of rep it out. It helps when you're going to be installing a new system to have veteran guys guys that have seen the wars, guys that have been through it, kind of understand that uh, there's going to be a little change from time to time. So I feel good about the ends, and I feel, yeah, I feel good about defensive tackle. 
because of the lumps we took a year ago, yes, we lose Fabian Lovett. There's a lot I could say about that situation, but I'm not going to because there are some uninformed people that will try to argue me down. But Nathan Pickering, Crummerty, those guys are going to kind of work with those interior positions. It's going to be a different deal. It's going to be a different alignment, you know, with the, you know, with the three-three-five. I think Nathan Pickering's a guy that can really thrive in this scheme. We knew that when we signed him that he was going to be, you know, a potential NFL guy. I still believe that he will be, and I think he's going to have a chance to be an impact player. Jaden Crummerty was a guy that we signed as a defensive end before we even got him to campus. He had grown into a defensive tackle. We took our lumps last year, and we're better for it now. If you're down the stretch last year, you know, we actually played pretty well uh, against the run. And now we'll have a new alignment. So things will be a little bit different. Everybody's got to have gap integrity. That's one of the things that you kind of worry about early on. Is, you know, guys have to know their assignments and understand, you know, what gap to plug and that sort of stuff. But they'll figure it out. You know, we, we've got bodies there. We do. And I, I think Armandus Cooley's a guy, you know, you give him his four games, let him play a little bit, just enough to kind of get his feet wet. You know what I'm saying? But preserve the redshirt year. I think we're going to be okay. I really do. I like the front. We don't we don't have a lot of experience on the two deep. That's the bigger issue. You got some very talented athletes. And I don't know if most I don't think the casual Mississippi State fan fully appreciates how big a deal it was to get Jordan Davis to sign with Mississippi State in December. I don't know that you get that. I know a lot of people say, "Well, you know, I've heard no no, Jordan Davis, remember when we signed we we signed Montez Sweat? And I told you guys on this show, Montez Sweat going to be a big-time player at Mississippi State. Now, he exceeded my expectations, to be fair. Jordan Davis is kind of cut from that same cloth. He is an impactful player that will make Mississippi State a better football team. Probably going to take a little while for him to get up to speed. But people forget, he was an Alabama signee that played in an Under Armour All-American game. You know, and, and people can say what they want to. People say, well, you know, Steve, it didn't work out. No, it didn't work out. But if Nick Saban wants to sign a defensive player, I want to sign that same guy. I used to tell you guys when Les Miles was coach at LSU, I would go behind Les. And every time that they offered an offensive lineman at LSU, I would offer them too. Because Les Miles played for both Shim Beckler at Michigan on the offensive line. He knows premium offensive line play. When you look at when LSU was doing great, their offensive lines were dominant. That's one of the last miles. I see Nick Saban the same way, especially when it comes to DB. It's because with that coach in the NFL. But anytime that Nick Saban wants a defensive player, I want that same kid. And we have that guy in Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is a big-time player. He's worked some with the Sam linebackers. We'll move him around. We're going to be very exotic in our looks. Jordan Davis, once he gets it all figured out, it's going to be a big-time player. And I like Trey Lawson. Nobody talks a lot about Trey Lawson. Trey Lawson's a guy that helped Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College win a national championship last season. So you've got some guys coming in that are very accomplished. And, and people, you know, Trey signed with Florida State out of high school. He didn't. He didn't attend you know the Mississippi School of Math and Sciences, and he's showing up you know after playing and you know in the, in the homeschool leagues. This is a guy that has kind of like Montez Sweat played on a Power Five, didn't work out, looked to reboot his career in junior college. And now here he is. So you've got some interesting pieces coming back, and you've added some interesting pieces. 
I, I don't know about you, but uh, when I begin to think about that front and the fact that uh, we're going to have more speed on the field because of the alignment that we run, and we ran a lot of the same concepts, you know, when Montez Sweat and Jeff Simmons were here back in 18, and pardon me, about 17. Uh, and we and she ran some of those in 18 too. But you know, when Grantham was here, you know, we stood sweat up a lot. And we, even though it was a, it was a three four alignment, a lot of the concepts were still kind of three three five, except in obvious passing downs. And we wanted to get downhill on people. But my point being is that we've got the athletes to run this scheme. That's one of the things a lot of our fans wonder about. Well, you know, we've changed this, we've changed that. You know, the bottom line is this. Either you can play football or you can't. And people say, well, you know, see, a lot of times it is about scheme. It's really more about implementation and execution. And when you have some veteran guys that have already played, installing this scheme is a little easier to deal with. Now, we're going to be better, obviously, in year two, and we should be even better in year three. And if we could actually make it to year three with one defensive coordinator, we would feel like we had died and gone to heaven because that just hasn't been what we've been used to. Uh, I guess the last time we had a long-time D.C. was Ellis Johnson, right? And despite the fact that we stunk it up offensively, uh, we always were pretty salty on defense, uh, even in the crew years. You know, the first year was kind of rough, but, uh, you know, Coach Johnson had those kids ready to play. But be that as it may, I think we'll be solid up front. You know, we get into linebackers, and this is what this is the deal. I think this group here, despite the fact that we lost Willie Gay, and, and that is a tremendous loss, it's not, not just because of his ability, but because this scheme would have allowed him kind of free range to kind of go get the quarterback a lot more often. We're gonna, he would have had a huge year. Now, I, I don't, he probably plays his way into the first round, but uh, how can you begrudge him for, for what's happened? I mean, he's, he's absolutely, you know, found a good situation for himself and, uh, Proved a lot of people wrong by being drafted as high as he did. But, you know, Willie Gay, it's one of those things kind of like you begin to think about, man, what would, what would Omar Connor have done in a spread offense? Right? You know, what, what would, you know, what would Sleepy Robinson have done in a Dan Mullen scheme? That's kind of how I think about Willie Gay. What, what would Willie have done in this blitz-happy 3-3-5? It will be interesting to see how everybody, how everybody lines up. That's one of the things that I want to talk to Coach Arnett about. You know, and a lot of it's going to depend on what the offensive show, the offense shows, and that sort of stuff. But you feel good about Earl Thompson. I think Tyrus Weed coming in is big too, because Tyrus Weed is a guy that uh, he played safety the first year at Colin and then grew into a linebacker, and then really kind of found a home there, position-wise. Then you've got Aaron Brule. I had Willie Gay and Errol Thompson both tell me privately that Aaron Brule is the next great Mississippi State linebacker. I think this scheme kind of lends to his skill set a little bit. He'll, he'll, he'll be able to get after the quarterback. We're going to bring him from a lot of different looks and a lot of different angles because you know, he's a guy that can get out and cover and get after the passer. I think he's one of those guys that makes this deal work. DeMonte Russell is one of those guys. I'm eager to see what they do with him. Does he stay at defensive end? Does he slide out and play Sam? What does he do? Because he is so athletic, I think you can do a few different things with him. Then you've got Nathaniel Watson. You know, Nathaniel Watson was a guy that uh, was so athletic, a lot of schools recruited him to play wide receiver. He shows up here, really embraces the weight room, puts on some weight. And now he's a backer. You know, he's a guy that... Showed some, uh, you know, some some flashes last year. 
going to need him to take the next step. Jet Johnson, of course, didn't play a whole lot last year. Going to need him to kind of step up and find a role, too. But there are a lot of guys on this defensive unit that kind of benefit from this uh, alignment because it's really one of those, you know, the traditional measurables don't necessarily apply to three three five. You know, there'd be some guys you look at and say, well, you know, he's got to be this this tall, weigh this much, and run this fast in order to play outside backer in this scheme. You know, this kind of gives you a lot more freedom. You know, you can kind of scheme against some of your deficiencies because of the fact the way you're going to kind of pursue people. It's just a different deal. I mean, it really is. And so I'm eager to talk to Zach and kind of get his feelings on, um, you know, the personnel. We've talked to him about the scheme. We've talked to him about Joe Lee Dunn. We've talked to him about Rocky Long and his experiences in New Mexico and all that sort of stuff. But now that he's had plenty of time to evaluate every player on the team, I, I am confident at this point that he has watched every frame of film that Mississippi State has put together the last couple of years. He'll have a good idea about who's, who does what. But again, you got to get him on the field because guys uh, respond differently to certain coaches. I like these linebackers. I would have liked them more if Willie Gay had stayed, and I think that was initially the plan. And then Willie makes a decision to go pro, and uh, and listen, it worked out for him. Absolutely. I don't think he could have had a better situation. And so there's a lot of people selfishly that say, hey, listen, he should have stayed. There were some people I know that said when he declared for the draft, oh, he'll be an undrafted free agent. You know, I, I felt like he was going to test well. I'd be honest with you. When he went to the Kansas City Chiefs, I thought to myself, I don't know if he could have interviewed or picked a program better. You know the culture Andy Reid has. You know Chris Jones is there. Martinez Rankin is there. You know, goodness, you've got some Bulldogs up there that uh, can kind of be mentors to him just as he gets acclimated and kind of learns and adjusts to, to pro football. I'm a Willie Gay fan. I mean, I hate that, that some of the things happened the way that they did and kind of taints his legacy here because, you know, if you go back and look at the games that Willie Gay played in last year, he was a difference maker. And, yeah, I get it. He missed a tackle on a big third down at Tennessee. But, you know what, he also had a pick six against Kentucky and took that thing the other way, had a big fumble recovery against Ole Miss. I mean, you know, every time there was a play to be made, Willie Gay was around football. That's exactly why he was a second-round draft pick by the world champs. But now State won't have him. The good news is, is that I think, number one, you've got enough players out here to kind of fill this scheme, but you've also got some coaches that are ready to prove something. And I listen, the one thing linebackers want to do more than anything else is get downhill and blow people up. They want to get after the quarterback. They want to make tackles for loss. And that's what this scheme is kind of predicated on, is moving the line of scrimmage. You want to make create negative plays. And so the backers, rather than kind of get back on their heels and kind of read and react, we're going to bring the fight to the offense. I think this is going to also help us in line back to recruiting as we kind of move forward. You know, it's interesting when I, I spoke to, to Matt Brock recently, and he mentioned Rodney Gross was playing, you know, with his group out at Sam. And uh, he said, you know, listen, that Rodney played a lot of those same concepts in high school. So he had a real working knowledge of all that when he showed up. Now, he was a little bit banged up, wasn't going to be able to participate in the spring, but he was still here for the book knowledge. And then we don't have the spring, and so Rodney's had plenty of opportunity to heal. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the field this year. I mean, if you if you watch him, go watch his huddle film. You'll see what I'm talking about. He is uh, He's not the typical high school kid. 
I'm just curious about where he is strength and conditioning wise. You know, after the injury, you know, he had to sit out to miss out a game because of a shoulder injury. But uh, but they'll, they'll get there. You know, we get them for four years. Okay, so let's uh, let's thank our good friends at Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of this show. Stan the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Haven't seen her in a while, but I suspect she's gotten even lovelier since the last time we laid eyes on her. They're there to serve you. They're looking forward to having you back in their store. You, you'll probably need to wear a mask for a while. That's kind of what we have to do around Starville, but I'm not going to get into debate about any of that. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Bond Yard listener, we'll save you a little cash. The phrase that pays, BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So let's get into this top 10 list. We're going to get into some secondary stuff and some other things. So if you, so I'm a huge Shinedown fan. And I had uh, someone message me on uh, social media. I said, hey, Steve, listen, I'm a big Shinedown fan too. So why don't you give us your uh, top 10 Shinedown songs? And I'm happy to say that I've been a Shinedowner since the beginning. I have been with them uh, in the infancy of all of this. And uh, Rod, uh, Randy Prius, Pruess, maybe P-R-E-U-S-S, Randy is the one that requested this. And so I'm going to give you some honorable mentions, and i got a bunch of them, okay? The first thing I'll tell you is I know a lot of people know Shine Down because they covered Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. How that kind of came to be is Jason Todd, former lead guitar player in Shinedown, was married to Melody Van Zandt, the daughter of the late, great Ronnie Van Zandt. And because there was a connection to the family, they allowed Shinedown to cover the song. Because, you know, Skinner doesn't just give that out to just anybody. So they record it, and uh, it's great. Even though I think Brent oversings it a little bit on some of the courses, it's great. Go check it out today. Uh, so here's some that didn't make my list that I still love, and I, there's not a, there's not many Shinedown songs that I don't I don't like. There are a couple. Um, Someday is one of them, and uh, Misfits is one. I think I think Misfits is awful. It might be the worst Shinedown song. Um, one of the B sides that didn't get released that I love, and you could get it on Guitar Hero or on, on Rock Band, is Junkies for Fame. Second Chance and Crow and the Butterfly are huge hits. I love them, but they're not in my top ten. Uh, Bully off of um, Amaryllis is a great one. It was a big hit. A couple songs that I listened to a whole lot during the middle of all of the, uh, when I was writing Flim Flam and kind of uh, looking to change the world off Threat to Survival, it all adds up and asking for it. I thought both of those were very apropos considering the people that I was up against. And then probably the song that I will probably regret not putting in my top ten that is a recent hit for them is Monsters. I think Monsters is a great song. It's about mental illness. It's wonderful. But here's my list. Now, this is a mix of, uh, I don't just like the hits. There are a lot of people that just say, you know, well, Steve, I'll, this is my favorite song. And it's just like one of the things that irritates me so much about, you know, the way the rock scene has kind of gravitated you know, everybody goes to Spencer's Gifts and buys a T-shirt, and all of a sudden they're an expert. But, uh, you know, it's just like I see these kids wearing these Nirvana shirts, and I ask them, they name three Nirvana songs, and they st they struggle to give me two, you know. Uh, but I'm the real deal when it comes to Shinedown. I've seen them more than any band. That I, Motley is number two 
on the most seen, and then Shinedown's number one. But here's my top ten. Number ten, Dangerous. I think that's the best song on Threat to Survival. Uh, wasn't released in a single. I think it is a song of empowerment. It's one of the things I love about Shinedown. They're very pop. They're very positive. Number nine on the list was uh, a song written by Eric Bass about some of his own struggles with depression, a song called Get Up. That was a big hit for them off this latest album, uh, Attention, Attention. Number eight, going back to uh, us and them, I Dare You. That's when Jason Todd was still with the band. And uh, one of the songs that really kind of stresses Brent Smith's singing range, the lyrics on that thing are incredible. Number seven, also off the uh, us and them album, Save Me. Song about addiction, and uh, you know it's kind of a cry for help. Number six, the uh, the first track on us and them heroes, one of the, I think one of the classic Shine Down songs. Uh, I, I think probably not as widely circulated on radio play as it should be. Number five, a song that was never released as a single, but it's one of their best songs. It's Begin Again. Absolutely love the song. It's one of their heavier tracks. Uh, very deep bass line. That's back when Brad was still with the band before things changed. Number four, another one of these songs that are kind of buried on an album that nobody really talks about is Stranger Inside. I think Stranger Inside might be the most underrated Shinedown song of all time. Uh, I think it's it should have been a single. I think if it had been, it would probably have gone to the number one spot on the rock charts. Number three, a lot of people know this one, but it's the sound of madness. Uh, I, I love the um, you know the themes of empowerment. You know, it's one of the things that I uh, at some point I'll probably get this phrase tattooed somewhere on my body. Is uh, you can sleep with a gun, but when are you going to wake up and fight for yourself? And uh, that's one of the things that I think about because I'm a person of recovery. There are so many people that I look at their lives. You know, when we go to meetings and that sort of stuff, and uh, it's like everybody. I say everybody. Some of these folks kind of expect other people to do it for them, that they're going to help them get sober. And, and there's people can only go so far. It's like they say, well, you know, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make him drink, but maybe you can make him thirsty. But in the end, you've got to make a personal decision to change your life. And that's not just about recovery. That's for all of us. That's for all of us. Nobody is going to fight for us. And I'm one of those kind of people that I began to look at life much differently when I realized that there was no search party being formed to save me. It was going to be up to me. And so I think about those type of things when I listen to The Sound of Madness. I love that entire album. There is not a skip song on that album. It is wonderful. I think that is the, I think that's the Shine Down Abbey Road album. You know, I think that's the one where they went from being a pretty good rock band to being a headliner. Number two on my list is a controversial song. I don't really know why. Some people have equated a song with, with, uh, with suicide. I, I don't see it that way at all. And that's 45. Uh, 45 is a powerful song, and it's about, you know, it's one of those things, too, about being you kind of caught up in your own stuff and uh, staring down the barrel of a 45 like I put myself in, in risk. I put myself in a precarious situation, and so I've got to figure this stuff out. And uh, But it's one of those songs, too. If you go back and listen to it, there are some very heavy themes in the lyrics. But the number one Shinedown song to me, and maybe perhaps... Uh, I just I really began to listen to this when my dad was really sick, dying of cancer, and it's a song called "Burning Bright." And it always reminds me of him, and uh, I'll listen to that song sometimes when I'm kind of in one of those melancholy moods. But uh, it's, there's a lot of lyrics in that song that, that appeal to me, and uh, probably the ones that matter the most are the ones about there's always something new 
I'm supposed to choose with no particular rhyme or reason. But if you go back and and spend some time kind of getting the lyrics out and kind of working through this, you know, I, I guarantee you at some point we've all kind of felt this way. Uh, but those are my top ten. Your top ten may be different. Uh, I love doing the music stuff here, even though a lot of people don't uh, listen to the kind of music I listen to. Uh, you'll never hear me do, you know, like a country western group. And that's not that I don't respect country western acts. It's just not my thing, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is, this is an important one for me. Shinedown is my favorite band of the modern era. And I consider modern era, like, I, I, I'm, I'm from the 1900s. You know, that's where I'm from. I'm from the 1900s. And so this is probably my favorite band, kind of, you know, post-millennium. You know, once we turn over to 2000, we entered a new century. This is my favorite band since then. All right, so let's get into uh, some more defensive talk here. Cornerbacks, uh, rather interesting. And in talking to Darcel McBath, he feels like he's got a really good group here. You know, you've got some guys out there, you know, Asias Verge and um, you know, Jalen Reed that haven't played a whole lot. I'm eager to see what they do this year. You know, Ferg's one of those guys that really kind of struggled a little bit to kind of get on the field. He was a very good high school player, Clarksville High School, a little bit undersized, but we haven't seen much from him. And then Jalen Reed, of course, didn't get to play much either. Those guys are going to be, you know, kind of counted on and provide some depth. I think Jalen Reed's going to make a jump. We'll see what happens with Ferg. I think Jalen Reed will be a better player. I think he's probably a two-deeper when it's all said and done. I think you're starting corners without question. Tyler Williams, Martin Emerson, talking to, to Darcel McBath, I get a sense that he sees both of those guys as potential NFL guys. That's exactly what um, Terrell Buckley said as well. If these are two guys, we feel really good about our starting corners. How to, kind of establishing that depth chart behind them will be interesting. You say, well, Steve, what about Jari and Jones? Well, Jari and Jones has made the move to safety. And, and here's what Darcel tells me. And Coach Washington kind of you know agrees with this. They're going to put the five best defensive backs on the field and then kind of figure out where to line them up. You have a dog safety. They're calling it the bulldog, but it's the dog safety. You'll move that guy around. He'll have him come in and blitz. you have your two corners, and you'll play over the top with a couple safeties. But, um, you know, one of those guys are going to walk down in the box a little bit too. But, you know, Jari and Jones is one of those guys without question should be one of State's five top defensive backs. Got a lot of good start uh, stats last year. I think he's a guy that probably plays better with the ball in front of him anyway. Uh, I think you're going to see Jari take a big jump statistic-wise this year. I think he will get his hands on the football regularly. you got C.J. Morgan working back from an ACL tear. Not sure where he's going to be, you know, health-wise, when the time of season gets here. We know that Marcus Murphy's going to start. Marcus Murphy is a difference maker. Marcus Murphy is an NFL player. That's one of those things you look back last year. That, you know, the, the guys you missed off every level of defense, Lee Autry, that was huge because of the fact that we had such depth issues and a level of inexperience on the defensive line. You miss Willie Gay linebacker, and then you miss Marcus Murphy. That's three potential pro football players off your defense eight games out of the year. You know, that, that's a disaster, right? Well, Marcus is ready to go, and I, I think Marcus Murphy is, is ready for a breakout year. I think a lot of people saw some flashes of him last year. Go back and look at what he did at Arkansas. Look at what he did against Ole Miss. Look at what he did against Tennessee. You know, this is a guy that can play. And so when I begin to think about him playing 12 games and you go look at what he did, you know, tackles per game in the few games that he played last year, I think we can feel good about that. 
And then you've got, you know, Kyle Cass coming in there too. You know, it's a new guy kind of showing up. It's a guy that can play some at corner and provide some depth, or he can play some at safety. He's another one of those guys that I think has an opportunity to be on a two deep this year. Fred Peters showed a lot of flashes down the stretch last year. I mean, I really thought, you know, after CJ got hurt, it really the light turned on for Fred. It's one of those things when you're when you're basically just playing special teams and you're running down the field four or five times a game looking to blow somebody up, and then more times than not, it's a touchback. It's tough to stay engaged. It takes a lot of mental fortitude to stay engaged. But then when the opportunity came for him to play more, Fred really answered the call. Had a big game against Adeline Christian, thought he played pretty well against uh, Ole Miss as well. Uh, but Fred Peters is a guy that will be a big factor for us this year. I think he is a guy that he's ready to take the jump. I think it took him half the year to kind of get it figured out. So now we'll see. And then J.P. Purvis, you recall J.P. was uh, injured in a car accident uh, earlier this year and uh, was a little bit banged up and so had to have some surgery and he was going to miss spring anyway. And so now you go through all this stuff and now he is not, you know, he's healing. How will he be impacted going forward? Will he be 100% healthy this year? I don't, I don't know. But I think that he is a guy that can help you a little bit and then, um, you know, we'll kind of go from there. But you've got bodies. Now it's about finding the best five and putting them on the field. And I don't know how much you end up rotating. Because the way this scheme runs, as much as we want to blitz and stuff, I'm sure you're going to have to rotate, you know, regularly, especially at the dog safety position. But you've got some interesting pieces. And unlike the offense, on defense, things are a little less settled, especially on the back end. You got to, you really got some work to do on the two deep. You know, you look at the, on the offensive side of the football, it was pretty easy to kind of put that two deep together because you've got a lot of returning players that have a lot of SEC snaps under their belt. That's not the case on defense. I think we've got a lot of talent, and I think we'll maximize that talent, but there are going to be some people that probably move between personnel groups between now and that first game. I think that's probably apparent. There'll be a learning process because we're not going to have the benefit of spring like everybody else. We're, we're, you know, we didn't have a chance to kind of line up. We're only a few schools that got some spring practices in. We weren't one of them. So we don't get the benefit of having that film to work through and kind of see how everybody looks and stacks up. Uh, so we'll see. But I, I'm, I'm eager to see this secondary. And, again, Marcus Murphy is a guy. If I had to pick it today, somebody said, hey, Steve, who's the guy? Who's the guy on defense that you think – uh, has the potential to kind of play his way into an all-SEC type season. And I think it's Marcus Murphy. I, I absolutely do. I love his game. I love his approach to things. He's a very mature kid. Uh, he's one of those guys, too. He's had to grow up pretty fast. You know, he's got a, a young a child that's had a lot of medical issues. And so uh, he's had to deal with this a lot on his own. His mom died last year. He has been through the ringer. And so I think this is kind of a money year for Marcus Murphy. I think he puts himself in a position – to go play professional football this year. And I think he could be a guy that comes out, but I think he is one of those guys too that will get the benefit of a lot of snaps. And I think that he'll put some big things on tape. And uh, if he has the year we, we expect him to have and he goes pro and can go make a bunch of money for his family, then, then we've all done really well. Jari and Jones, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. I think he is another one of those guys too that could, could be one of the next great Mississippi State defensive backs. So, again, you feel great about your front liners. It's about building that depth behind them now. What do we do? Who plays dog safety? Fred Peters will be out there. We feel pretty good about him. But what are we going to put on the field? Those are the things you kind of look at and you ask questions about. But defensively, you know, again, a lot to kind of figure out. 
between now and then. A lot. A lot to figure out. Uh, the good thing is for guys like Tyra Sweet is nobody's ahead of him. You know, it's like if he had come back and we had retained this, you know, you know, Bob Shoup and that staff, you know, you'd have guys that had a couple years' experience in the Bob Shoup defense kind of leading the charge, but now everybody's going to learn this thing with Zach Garnett fresh. So so we'll see. Uh, I, again, I think we're, we're a lot more athletic on defense than probably people realize just because of the fact that we're going to have some newcomers kind of step in, and there's always some concern about that just because of the fact that you don't know how they're going to respond to SEC play. So over the weekend, uh, I did some more writing. You know, I'm still writing on, on the sequel to Stark Villains. Well over halfway through, polished up the Rafael Palmero chapter this morning. And i tell you one of the things that I wanted to share with you. You know, reading through all that stuff with Rafael and going back and listening to the interview. And that, that same, the reference that we hold, you know, him and, and Will Clark to. There's just, you know, there is a, it's, it's beyond respect. You know, we look at them as guys that were kind of pioneers in our program. And even though we had had a great baseball program, they were the guys that really kind of made Mississippi State a, a national power. We became a national name. We went out and signed a guy that was born in Havana, Cuba, that grew up in Miami, Florida, and a guy from Jesuit High School there in New Orleans. And they came in here, and they helped us grow up as a program. And so you think about, well, we got his name on the building, and we got statues out front for Will and Rafi. But talking to Rafi Palmero and hearing him talk about his relationship with Mississippi State and Mississippi State fans is the kind of stuff that gives you goosebumps. Because as much as we all love them, they love us right back. You know, that's one of the things that I asked him in the interview. I said, you know, last year, 2019, you know, Rafi was the guy. He came back. We unveiled the statue. We had a big day. And he sent word back to us in the media through uh, somebody you guys know. I won't mention her name. It's not important. He sent word back to us, to the media, that said, hey, man, thanks for you guys keeping the day about Mississippi State. And so I began to learn that Rafi was a little bit concerned. I didn't hear directly from him. But, he, yeah, he was, he was ready to come back, but he was hopeful nobody would ask him about anything, uh, you know, related to all the nonsense in Major League Baseball. And we didn't. Nobody did. I mean, Rafi's our guy. Why would we want to embarrass him? But, I, but I'm on the other end of this deal. And then I went out to watch Mississippi State play out in the Fort Worth Classic, and Rafi throws up the first pitch. I go to the Texas A&M game, and we get rained out, and then there's Rafi and Lynn out there meeting with uh, you know, John and Stacy Mangum making dinner plans. You get a chance to visit with them a little bit there. And then Rafi comes back for this and for that. Next thing you know, he's everywhere. It's like for, he was you know, kind of reclusive for years, and once he comes back for the statues being unveiled, you know, we can't keep him away, not that we ever would. And then we go out to Omaha, and there's Rafael Palmero, one of the greatest players to ever wear the M over S, out there standing in front of the team hotel, opening doors for people, taking pictures, shaking hands, hugging necks. And I asked him about that in the interview. And he made mention, he said, why would I ever deny myself the opportunity to reconnect with my Mississippi State family? And that was very profound. I began to think about that. You know, we sometimes we see these student athletes as our own. And I don't mean them in the family sense. We see them as like, well, they can't Mississippi State. They're our guys, you know. But there's some benefits that they get from being part of this family too. 
It's a big deal to be a Mississippi State baseball player. It is a big deal. And so talking to Rafa, you kind of get a sense. All of a sudden, you know, I saw him in a much different light. Yes, I still see him as that, you know, larger-than-life player that did things in the Mississippi State uniform that had never been done before. People forget. But, you know, you know, Rafi comes in in 83, starts as a true freshman, is an everyday starter, 84 wins a triple crown, and then we go to Omaha in 85, and we had a chance to go every year that those guys were here. It was one of those deals, man, that we just we began to look at it and say, you know, this is a guy that he's our guy, but, man, how lucky we were to get him. And then hearing him talk, he begins to kind of change the narrative a little bit, and you begin to say, man, look how lucky I was to, to have a chance to go to Mississippi State. Look how lucky I was to have a chance for those people to take me in as their family. And so it, you begin to see this thing as more of a two-way street. You know, it's not just what these players can do for us. It's really what we've done for them. And I can only begin to imagine at times when, you know, after 20 seasons, you know, Raphael's no longer playing Major League Ball. There's a lot of people out there that uh, have said a lot of negative things about him. And he said, you know, he said, Mississippi State, that's where my true fans are. They never turned their backs on me. They never, ever, ever turned away from me. I think that's one of the things that probably makes me the proudest. Is that one of our own greats had some issues and the one that the one group that stayed behind him and, and had his back and loved him through it was the Mississippi State family. I think that's remarkable. That makes me really proud to be a Mississippi State fan, to be a Mississippi State website publisher, to be a Mississippi State podcaster, to be one of you. Because that's the way that I look at all this. It's that, you know, we only have them for a short time. But, man, when you look at what Rafael Palmero did at Mississippi State and what he continues to do for Mississippi State as a member of the Mississippi State family, because there are a lot of people that have made a lot of money in their careers after passing through Mississippi State, and then we don't hear from them very often. But Rafi gives money for the Palmero Center, you know, he comes back, and he's part of all this again, and is reconnected with our family, and how good is it to have him back? They come back, and they do the Thunder Lightning thing, you know, and his wife, Lynn's family, are out there in Tupelo, you know, so they're back a little more often now. Their boys are done playing college ball, and so it's not as big a deal, you know, for Rafi and, and Lynn to get back to Mississippi, but how great is it that he passed this way? He talked at length about his recruitment, and uh, Miami had offered him a full scholarship, but one of the main reasons that we got him is Ron Polk offered him a chance to play as a freshman. Ron Frazier, Miami, had told him, you know what, we've got a veteran team, and uh, we don't play a lot of freshmen, so we're going to redshirt you. And growing up in Miami, hey, that's what you did. I mean, the Hurricanes had won the NAFL championship at 82. And so when Miami was here, you know, for the regional a year or two ago, I had uh, one of the guys from Miami ask me, he goes, how in the world did Mississippi State get Rafael Palmero out of Miami? How, how did that happen? And so I asked him about it, and he talked at length about it. He came to Mississippi State on a visit, and he had really never been anywhere outside of South Florida. And he comes up here, and he's got Trent and Torsha with him, who they ended up being roommates for three years, Trent from Miami Southridge. They come up here, they take an, an official visit, and State's playing Ole Miss. And Bruce Castoria hits a big home run. 
and the, the place was packed and, and we had a great weekend and, and uh, Rafi said, you know, I've been to some Miami games that have a couple thousand people. But, man, when I saw what happened at Dirty Noble Field and I saw the left field lounge and I saw how excited everybody was, I said, man, I want to be a part of this. And so when we begin to think about, you know, coaches and facilities and all that kind of stuff, you know, we had a legendary coach in Ron Polk. We had a legendary venue in Dirty Noble Field. We had a great coach now. We had a great park now. But, you know, coaches leave. They retire. Ballparks age a little bit on you. You fall behind an arms race a little bit. But the one constant is Mississippi State fans. Is that we do it as well as anybody in the country. And so when all of you guys were cheering for Bruce Castoria when he hit the home run to take the lead of a roll miss on Super Bulldog weekend and Palmero and Torsha were there, you played a big part in getting Rafael Palmero to Mississippi State. wasn't just about Polk. Even though that was a big part of it, it wasn't just about our facilities and our university's commitment to baseball. It was about you and about you doing your part to support the Bulldogs. And I don't think that we fully appreciate that sometimes. There are a lot of times, you know, we go to the ball game and we think, well, you know, let's just go out here and, you know, have a good time. Let's go to the party, you know. But I don't think people get it. We get some baseball-savvy fans, and when we make a commitment to Mississippi State baseball. It's really unlike any other. You know, listen, we, we enjoy football. We enjoy going to Davis Wade. But let's be honest. You know, the lifeblood of our athletics programs is Mississippi State baseball. That M over S is the logo that is synonymous with Mississippi State. Everybody at some point in their life has had that maroon and white M over S cap. For many of us, we've had several. That's the way that I look at all of this, is we're all connected me, you, Cohen, Raffo, Polk, McMahon, Clark, Palmero, Figpen, Brantley Jones, Ted Milton, Frank Davis. We can go all the way back. Alex Grammas. You know, we can keep going. We've got a lot to be proud of. And so when I begin to think about, look at what Bruce Castoria and Mark Gillespie and those guys did, and Nat Showalter and Mike Kelly, and those guys took us in those early years under Polk and gave us a program that attracted guys like Will Clark and Rafael Palmero. Bruce, G-Man, those guys, Mike Kelly, tremendous players in their own right, but they were kind of stepping stones for us. They were the building blocks of which we have built the program. And there are a lot of people, and I said this on the show, and some people I know that they message me and say, hey, Steve, that's not how I feel. But there's some people that do. We won a lot of baseball games before 1985. A ton of baseball games before 1985. We, we won a ton before the 1980s. We won a ton before Ron Polk ever applied for the job here. We are a baseball school. But when you look at the debt that we owe, those great Bulldog teams – of the 60s, 70s, and 80s that kind of built this thing up to what it is today, you know, we don't go get Jake Mangum without Ron Polk building what he built here at Mississippi State. And listen, I know people say, well, you know, Steve, he's a Jackson prep. He committed to Alabama first. And I've interviewed Jake for this book, too, and he'll tell you, I was an Alabama football fan, but I was a Mississippi State and Ron Polk baseball fan. And Jake wanted to be part of this. 
little reminder too, uh, it's one of those things you forget, you know, because we have had some really good series over the years against Ole Miss, you know, back in the early 70s, you know, State and Ole Miss, kind of the winner of the West, won the SEC, we won it a couple of years, they won it a couple of years. You know, in the, in the 80s, we went to Omaha, we were in the regionals regularly, and I don't know if you guys know this, but Ole Miss didn't go to the regionals at all in the 80s, that whole decade, they didn't do anything. And then there we were kind of building a program. And you want to look at the difference in the programs, go back and look at the 80s. And, you know, they've, they've caught up a little bit, give Bianco some credit. But their little window is closed. It's time for us to take our rightful place as the Diamond Kings of college baseball. It is time for Mississippi State to win a national championship. And it's been excruciating at times to research for this book. And you see how many times we've gotten so close and I don't just mean 2013. I don't mean 1985. We have been so close to breaking through and winning a national championship so many times in our history. It's one of those things that almost makes you feel like, you know what, if we ever get over the hump, we might go on a run here and win a couple, two or three or four. That's what I hope. But, but I hope that I live long enough, and I believe it's going to happen sooner rather than later, that we're going to win an NFL championship here at Mississippi State. And I think that not just Mississippi State fans, I think all people that love college baseball, maybe outside of those folks in Oxford, because they love it too. I think there are a lot of people that are going to say, you know what, I'm so glad that this happened. And I'm so glad because it's right for college baseball. But I'm glad for guys like Ron Polk. I'm glad for guys like Rafael Palmero that on one day they're able to look back and say, you know what, I was a part of that and look what we did. We actually did it. You can look forward to reading that, and uh, if you haven't read the first Stark Villains book, let me encourage you to do so. Go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com. You can get Flim Flam and Stark Villains there, and then when the, ne the next Stark Villains book is available for pre-sale, which will be in a couple months now, uh, it'll be uh, available there. That's where you'll go. You'll go to Stark Villains the Book, and you'll be able to pre-order the new book right there. Going to make it as easy as we can. Not going to have a five websites. You can be able to go there and be able to get Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and, and maybe we call it Stark Villains too. Maybe we call it something different. I don't know yet. But I know this. I know that these stories are special. And it's been one of those great things for me. It's like as I go back and, and transcribe the Mitch Moreland interview and Rafael Palmero and Desenzo Miller and Sleepy Robinson, it's almost like I'm writing their love letters to all of you. And they're talking about their great memories of playing at Mississippi State and winning a big game for you. And then they talk about what Mississippi State means to them and what the fans mean to them. And so it's been really cool to be able to do that. And so I look forward to sharing more with you about the book. Again, that's StarkVillainsTheBook.com. You can get your Stark Villains gear at StarkVillains.com. Get T-shirts and hoodies there. And uh, we'll look forward to being back with you on Wednesday. I am doing some more research about this uh, truth, image, and likeness deal. Talk with a couple good friends over the weekend. Kind of compared some notes. I'm going to talk about some of that on Wednesday, and uh, you never know what's going to happen, and I'm expecting some pretty big baseball recruiting news later today, so look for all that. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.